Clovis, building a healthy life together. What's up, everybody? Justin Nault here with another Ask Me Anything episode. This is audio pulled from my weekly Facebook Live, which you can catch every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central at facebook.com slash the Clovis culture. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Each and every review counts. It really, really helps, and it truly means the world to me. Thank you. As always, this episode is brought to you by Clovis. I am the founder and CEO of Clovis, and I am in the business of changing people's lives for the better. I am a certified nutritional therapist, and I have helped over 1,000 people just like you transform their health and wellness. And I want to work with you. To prove it, I'm going to give you a free seven-day trial, which will give you full-blown access to all of the exclusive members-only content that Clovis has to offer. Just visit iamclovis.com slash start. I-A-M-C-L-O-V-I-S dot com slash start. You will find videos of yours truly, and you will find some incredible transformation stories from real-life Clovis clients. You will be shocked by the incredible stories that these brave individuals have to tell, stories of full-blown life transformation. 50 pounds in eight weeks, 40 pounds in 60 days, 19 pounds in 21 days, 100 pounds in six months. You name it, I have a client who has done it. And you can too. Check out IamClovis.com slash start and get started with your free trial today. If you'd like to check out my physical products, I just want to let you know that if you go to IamClovis.com right now, I-A-M-C-L-O-V-I-S.com, you can get bags of select formulas of the Perfect Paleo Powder for just $30 a bag, which is absolutely insane. This is the lowest price in the history of Clovis, the lowest price I have ever offered on the Perfect Paleo Powder. And once these bags sell out, they are gone forever. I want to repeat that. These products will not be manufactured again. Once they sell out, they are gone forever. So if you love these formulas, if you love digest and rest, the pre-workout formula, the post-workout formula, if you really love these formulas, you need to get your hands on as many bags as you possibly can right now because once they sell out, they are gone for good. I highly suggest that you go ahead and stockpile the formulas that you love. The sealed bags can hang out in your pantry for as long as you need them to, and there is no limit on how many bags you can buy. You can literally just get on there and buy to your heart's content Also, there is no coupon code, there is no special instructions, no nothing. By the time you hear this, the prices will already be changed and updated on the I Am Clovis website. So head over to IamClovis.com, get your hands on $30 bags of the Perfect Paleo Powder right now before everybody else does because once they sell out, they're gone for good. That's it. All right, let's get on with the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? It's Justin. Welcome to Live Ask Me Anything, number 89. Crazy. That's almost 90, as if that number means anything to you. What's up, everybody? How we doing? Happy Wednesday. Was just posting on the old Instagram to get more people in here to do the swipe up thing and come watch this episode. This is going to be an awesome one because I really went digging for the questions today, um, asking the Clovis tribe in the Clovis Academy, and I am Clovis for questions. You guys did not disappoint. You sent me a boatload of questions. 
Thank you very much. You did that at ama.iamclovis.com. Those of you listening, go to ama.iamclovis.com. AMA stands for Ask Me Anything. Go to ama.iamclovis.com at any time, day or night, 365. Submit a question, and I'll answer it here. Leave me your name if you want me to say your name. Don't leave me your name if you want it to be anonymous. Like if you want to talk about poop or sex or something. <laughs> okay? What's up, everybody? Let's make sure we're recording. Yes, the podcast is recording. Good old garage band in my fancy radio announcer microphone. I hope you're enjoying this, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's dig in. Who's here? What's up, Lindsay? What's up, Judy? What's up, Laura? Who else we got? Yeah, I do this every single week. Every week on the Facebook Live because I'm on my computer and it tells me the number of people watching and doesn't show me their names. Every time. Makes me grumpy, Facebook. Mr. Zuckerberg, please fix this. Because when I go on Facebook Live on my phone, I can see all the names of the people. I don't know what's going on here. Really interesting. But anyway, we're here, and we're going to do some serious damage here, okay? Uh, we got a lot to talk about. I don't know if I'm going to get to all the questions. So I took, like, basically all the questions that came in today. I just loaded them into Evernote, and I have written them here so I can read them, and then I can answer them. But I cannot guarantee that I'm going to get to all of them because some of them are at length, Okay? And also, what I want you to do right now is click the share button, share this with your friends, tag people. See, Judy did it. Judy, tag some friends. Awesome. Tag your friends. This is on the public Clovis Culture page, so anybody can see this, right? So uh, tag your friends in this. Tag them. They'll get tagged in the comments. They can see the video. Click the happy face. Click the smiley face. Click the love button. Click the sad button. Click the wow button. All the buttons, all the emojis and stuff. The more engagement we have, the better, the more Facebook knows that you enjoy this content, which they should know at this point because I'm probably creeping up on 300 freaking hours of live videos, right? Ooh, that was a thumbs up from dad. What's up, dad? See, I can't see dad's name, but I know his little icon thingy. Oh, there, it, Charles Nault joined. There it is. Awesome. Cool. All right, let's dig in here. I'm going to start, probably going to start with uh, uh, Laura. I think it's Laura, right? Yeah, I'm going to start with your questions, Laura. <laughs> You're in the hot seat. You included your name on the ama.iamclovis.com submission page so everybody knows who you are now. <laughs> if you want any clarification, uh, just hit me here with some comments. This is going to be good stuff. So let's dig in. Number one. She had a two-part question. Number one is super cool because I'm actually dealing with this in my own life right now. So this was perfect timing. Got to love the universe, right? Perfect timing. All right. I'm going to read the question to you just as is. After listening to your AMA with oral wellness founder, Will Reback, I quickly began the process of changing my oral hygiene routine. I love their products and have noticed a big difference in my overall oral health. The obstacle I've run into is finding a holistic dentist. I've checked the oral wellness website and they have a guide to safe dentistry, which gives you questions to ask in office before visiting, but I was wondering if there is anything particularly important education-wise that I should be looking for or avoiding or if there is a website that you know about for holistic dentistry, like the IFM website to find functional medicine doctors. Of course I know about a website for this, Laura. Yes, absolutely. First things first, understand, it, when it comes to education, like the oral wellness website is really good for education. They have a lot of free eBooks and stuff like that. Um, but you have to understand that if you listen to that episode once, maybe twice through, you're gonna know way more about oral health, about your own mouth, than like 99.9% .9 of people. It's really been crazy to me since I've gotten to know Will and as much as I've learned about oral wellness, 
how much we don't treat our mouth like an organ. Like we really don't in, in American society today. We just like blast the crap out of it, killing 99.999% of germs with like Listerine. Listerine is the equivalent of an antibiotic in your gut, just in your mouth. It's like pouring antibiotics in your mouth. It's napalm, right? But we treat our teeth as if we just have rocks in our head. Like we have these indestructible stones in our head and we pour mercury in them and we drill them and we grind them and pour Listerine in there, like I said, or we use harsh chemicals to whiten them. It's just, it's ridiculous, right? Like we're just destroying our mouth all the time. So you know far more than the average you know, run-of-the-mill person does just by listening to that podcast. So you're pretty well educated to go in and talk to your to your um, dentist and that guide that they have on their website is really, really great. So everybody should go to Aura Wellness, O-R-A-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S. Go to Aura Wellness, their website, and check out their products. I use their products each and every day, literally every single day. I love them. Love their products. I will use them forever. I use their toothbrush. I use their tongue scraper. I use their healthy mouth uh, essential oil blend. I use their um, remineralizing tooth powder every single day. Love this company. Um, but to answer your question directly, Laura, there is a website. And that website, here, I can copy and paste it for you, is iabdm.org. And that stands for the International Academy of Biological Dentistry and Medicine. This works just like ifm.org. If you guys know, I have to use ifm.org to hunt down a to, to really well-qualified, credentialed, whatever, uh, the my specific search criteria for functional medicine medical doctors. I send you guys to the ifm.org website to do that. This works a lot like ifm.org. It's just that holistic dentistry is really probably far less popular than functional medicine is. So it might be a little bit tricky. You're definitely not guaranteed to find somebody near you, right? Um, I am very lucky. There are two um, holistic dentistry practitioners here in Nashville. I'm going to try to make an appointment with one of them. And there's another one in Paducah, which is not really far away. I think it's like an hour and a half away. Um, so there seem to be good options if you're here in Tennessee in the Nashville area. But just go to that iabdm.org. That is the International Academy of Biological Dentistry and Medicine. And the reason why this came up for me is a few, I think it was a few years ago at this point, but uh, Dave Asprey actually had a Bulletproof Radio podcast with a guy named uh, Dr. Dr. Dwight Jennings, I'm pretty sure. And they talked all about jaw alignment. So um, I don't know if it's from singing or being a meathead growing up or boxing or what, but I've had this ongoing jaw problem for a long time. I mean, at least a decade. It's going to be over a decade now. Um, you might be able to hear it actually with this fancy microphone. Yeah. I'm sure you can hear that in the microphone. So every time I open my mouth past a certain point, that's what you get. That's what my mouth does, right? It doesn't hurt at all. Does not hurt me. Um, there's no pain there ever. Occasionally, I will get stuck where my mouth actually can't open and I shift my jaw with my hand and that noise happens again, pops out, all is well like an air pocket or cracking your knuckles. I don't know what the hell it is, but I've had this for literally over 10 years. And I have a hypothesis in my head because there's a situation in my own health. It's like the one thing in my life that I have not optimized to the nth degree that I can't figure out. And that is deep sleep. I want to optimize deep sleep. I don't want the deep sleep that normal people get. If I sleep six hours, I want three hours of it to be deep sleep, right? I want to improve my deep sleep cycles. This is a problem for me because um, 
I have the aura ring. My dad and I were just talking about this. I have the aura ring, which I forgot at a hotel, and they're mailing it to me, thank God. Um, but my aura ring, I have notorious trouble with deep sleep cycles. I do get better deep sleep cycles than dad. He gets really angry about this. Papa Nall doesn't like that. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I want more deep sleep. Now, what's directly correlated to sleep apnea is jaw alignment, 100%. If you have sleep apnea, there's a jaw alignment variable there. Like part of that is going to be jaw alignment. There's an episode with, with Dave Asprey on Bulletproof Radio where you actually hear him getting drilled, where they actually, re a holistic dentist practitioner, literally drills his teeth and changes the shape of his teeth to change the way that his jaw sits all together, right? There, I guess there's really qualified practitioners that do this, which is what I want to look into because I'm wondering if I didn't have this nagging jaw situation, maybe my deep sleep would improve. The only thing I found that really increases deep sleep is uh, sauna, combined with an ice cold shower just before bed, sleeping with the thermostat at about 66 degrees. And that's kind of a pain in the ass, to be honest. So I've been doing sauna post-workout lately because I really like that for uh, hypertrophy, really for muscle building reasons. Anyway, I went to sauna a couple episodes ago. But yeah, this holistic dentistry thing is really cool. So I will share this with you guys as I go down the rabbit hole because um, I'm definitely going to go down the rabbit hole on this and try to fix this crazy freaking jaw situation for sure because it's a little bit nuts, right? Um, all right, so Laura's question was a two-part question. So I hope that answered your question. You can find a holistic dentist on that website. Again, uh, anybody listening audio, I will put this in the show notes. So don't worry. Don't pull over your car or do anything crazy. I will put this all in the show notes at clovis.show. Um, there's also clovis.show slash aura wellness, O-R-A-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S. clovis.show slash aura wellness for that dentistry podcast that we did. I highly recommend you guys... Uh, listen to that if you want to learn about dentistry. So the second half of this question was amazing. Thank you. I like this one. This question is, if we could only read five books, what would be the top five you'd recommend that have influenced you the most? Well, yeah, this is a doozy. This is a real doozy of a question here, Laura, because I have read hundreds of books and that is a not so humble at all brag. Um, it's just the truth. I, I'm a straight up book devouring machine. I've talked about this a lot. Books are, have just been a huge part of my personal growth. And I'm going to explain that here when I, when I recommend to you the most impactful book of, of my life. So I have written a little list here that I will share with you guys. But the thing to understand is the question is, is absurdly difficult because there's one fundamental truth that you have to understand about books. It took me years to figure this out, really. And I could give you a few examples of books that went this way for me. But it took me years to figure this stuff out. Um, you have to understand that it's not the book itself that is the impactful part of this equation. It's the when. When does the book find you? Because you could read a book and think it's the dumbest waste of time ever, right? And then you could read the same book six years later and think that it's absolutely life-changing. You cannot understand how you ever thought that it was a waste of time, you see? Or like your belief systems can change, all these crazy things. Like um, Sam Harris just did a crazy uh, podcast with a girl who escaped the Westboro Baptist Church, those like really crazy evil people that like pick it outside of funerals and stuff. And I mean, she totally thought that was like the truth, you know, when she was a kid and she was a teenager. And then she like got access to the internet and was like, oh my God, maybe this is different. It's unbelievable the different mindsets that you can be in in different places in your life, right? So understand it's really always going to be the when of the book. And for that reason, 
I reread books that were really powerful to me, these tried and true books. Another thing I do is I read books on Kindle. I always read books on Kindle because I can highlight very easily. And then later I can open up the Kindle app on my MacBook Pro and I can pull up a double window with Evernote and I can type my highlighted notes from my Kindle app into Evernote. So I have a book note with a no I have book notes notebook for every single book that I read. And I type in all the notes based on what I highlighted on the Kindle. This is how people always ask me how, why my retention is so strong. I read a book once and I could like quote it to you two years later. That's why. I basically read the book twice and I don't copy and paste the notes. I transcribe the notes by hand and it drills them into my head. So I go back, I read the book once and then I read all of the highlights and I type them into Evernote and transcribe them. This is how I'm able to stand in front of 200 plus hours of live content and give you things off the top of my head. The only reason I'm able to do this is because of the retention through what I've learned and through speed reading and comprehension optimization and all that stuff, right? Um, but anyway, that's just a long way of telling you that if a book really impacts me, I will buy the hard copy and I will put it on my bookshelf. So I save a ton of space by not having a big crazy bookshelf. I can keep thousands of books on my Kindle and then I buy the ones that really mean something to me and I actually use them like decoration in my house. Like my top five books are all in my bedroom on my dresser and it's like my little shrine to the books that mean the most to me. So I've, I've actually given this a lot of thought in the past. Um, but I did have to give it even more thought just to figure out how to really answer this question because again, I don't know what point of life you all are in. So I'm gonna lean into the question um, and the part of the question that I love, which is which one of these influenced me the most? These are the books that really just, I mean, knocked me off my feet, fundamentally changed my entire understanding of reality. These are the ones that hit me at the perfect time in my life, just when I needed them to literally shift the course of my life. But the other thing I wanna talk about here is the same thing, I know it's taken me a long time to get this book list, but the same thing that I talked about with you guys in the Psychedelics Deep Dive episode I did, it's not the psychedelic experience you have that is the most powerful thing. It is the integration after the fact. It's the work you do after the lesson. So I need you to understand, books are exactly the same. It is not what the book teaches you. It is how you integrate the lessons from the book in your life after the fact. If you do not take action, the book is useless. Understand that. This is the real problem that I run into with people. Because the number one book on my list, I'll just share this with you, um, I've probably gifted this book to 20 people, literally probably 20 people. Keep in mind, this is a book that fundamentally changed my entire life. My life is still being changed today because of it. My life will be changed for the rest of my life because of this one most impactful book. And I've given this to at least 20 people and exactly zero of them have had any change happen in their life whatsoever as a result of this book. So not sure why that is, but that's the way it seems to go down. So the timing is everything, okay? So let's dig in. My top five most impactful books. So the number one most impactful book for me in my life was the, was and is really, and not, not just was, is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And that might sound cliche because I'm an online entrepreneur, I'm an influencer now, or whatever. But remember, the four hour work week came out in 2007, I believe, right? So it's like, and it still stands the test of time. I think he did a revised edition, but it didn't even need revision. It just works wonderfully well. It's just that instead of looking at, you know, 
taking out ads in magazines and newspapers, you'd be dealing with like Google ads and Facebook ads. It still translate perfectly if you have half a brain to figure this stuff out. We're not dealing with magazine print ads anymore, right? So um, the number one most impactful is the four-hour work week. And here's why. Because I'm gonna spend the, the, the majority of my time talking about this one because it just was the most impactful and it led, I wouldn't have read any of the other books if I had not first read this book because I wasn't a reader, ladies and gentlemen. I was not a reader. Didn't read a lot of books, okay? Um, I read the four hour work week at a time in my life where I was a rock star, right? I was partying like a rock star. I was trying to get, you know, I was dealing with Jägermeister sponsorships and trying to get a rock star energy drink sponsorship. So I'm just like drinking Jägermeister, drinking Miller Lite, pounding monster energy drinks. I'm on stage in middle Tennessee with my band, the Cougar Petting Zoo, which I'm the lead singer of playing these huge college bars and big venues, selling out 700 person venues, like ridiculous gigs. I had done reality TV at this point. So people knew who I was from Atlanta to network reality TV show on ABC. I'd been flown out to LA, filmed the TV show in Vegas had a big party downtown for viewing and like all this crazy stuff, right? And then in Nashville, I was performing probably six nights a week at this time and I was drunk for all of it and just like Mr. Playboy with his groupies everywhere, right? Like it was just a ridiculous time in my life and I was like making really good money as a musician and all this stuff was crazy. But at the end of the day, I was really, really empty. I was feeling really, really empty, okay? So... The party days were really doing nothing for me. But the issue is, the reason why I kind of embraced that life, I know this all now, hindsight's twenty twenty. I embraced that life because I knew from the time I was 13 years old that I was just super different, crazy different. Like I was an entrepreneur, I started a clothing line, I was selling clothes out of my locker, uh, I was, you know, drummer in a band and touring around playing gigs when I was 15 years old. Like entrepreneurship started around the age of 15 and it was just, it was crazy. All sorts of ridiculous stuff, right? So I've known my entire life that this idea of the status quo American dream, like I talk to you guys about this, I'll say like, you know, 2.5 kids and a white picket fence. Like all I knew was that the idea of the American dream made me literally want to check out of this life early. I kid you not. I wanted no part of it. The entire idea I'm like allergic to it. Like I just, zero part of me wants that for myself at all, right? But I digress. So I, I spent my entire life feeling really different, astronomically different from everybody around me. But you have to remember that this was a point in time, small town Coventry, Rhode Island, this was a point in time where if you come from a small town, it's next to impossible to know that there are even like-minded people like you in the world. Why? Because I'm 33 years old. I remember when the internet was invented. You know, like I literally remember when the internet came out, dial up AOL and all that. Like it was crazy. So you have to understand like the first 14, 15 years of my life, there was no Google, right? There certainly wasn't like Google to find audible books or podcasts. Even by the time I went off to college, there's no YouTube or podcast. This stuff is really brand new in the grand scheme of things, you know? So it, all I'm trying to say here is like, I really had no way of knowing that I wasn't the only real uh, weird one. You know, I had no way of knowing I wasn't the only weird one. And it's hard for like this up and coming generation, the generations after me to understand what it was like to really just not know that like-minded people were even a thing. You're just surrounded by people. Everybody seems to be very normal doing the same thing. And you know in your heart of hearts that you don't want what they want, right? So you just feel really different. So I always felt really isolated, even though I always had a lot of friends around me. Like I had a ton of friends growing up, right? I was a popular kid, but... Luckily, I was also super talented and people loved that. So I was be able to be, I was able to become this, you know, 
this kind of rock star figure and live everyone else's dreams of like being on stage and landing a TV show and making money, doing what you love, etc. right? But again, I was just I felt feeling really, really empty because I didn't know any better. I knew that it was either normal, nine to five, white picket fence, all that, or crazy rock star life. I thought those were like the only two options. I didn't know there were any other options besides like famous party animals or celebrities and normal people. That's all that I thought existed in this world, right? So at one point, I was living a ridiculous life. I was drinking by myself a lot at the time, and I had $25,000 in cash in literally stacked in rubber bands in a safe in my room. <laughs> and I was like, I should probably figure out what the hell I should do with my money. Like my dad and my brother seem to know what's going on with money. Maybe I'll ask them or whatever. And I literally was just Googling investment books and came across the four hour work week. And I have no idea why I decided to read it because it's really not a book about investing. It just like seemed like a catchy title and a weird phrase, right? So it said the new rich, becoming the new rich or whatever. I was like, cool. So I picked it up and read it. Can't remember why. But then all these ideas from the book, like lifestyle design that I always talk about, the idea of the new rich, people making money online, people ditching the status quo. There's stories of people making all their money online, pulling their kids out of public school and deciding to educate them wisdom through experience, educate their kids by traveling the globe with them. It introduced me to speed reading. I took a speed reading course, fundamentally changed my life forever. And it was, it was only after reading the four hour work week that I decided I was going to invent a product. I was going to invent a product and sell it on the internet. Lo and behold, the universe comes in as well. And the rest of my story happens, as you guys already know, this, the traumatic experience with my niece being born, this and that, the birth of paleo powder, this all the universe came in, kind of worked synergistically. And then there's paleo powder and Clovis, right? But the point of this long ramble is to tell you that the four hour work week was the single most impactful book I've ever read because for the first time in my life, I learned that there were countless people like me all across the globe, people who were just like me with the same concerns that I had, who wanted nothing to do with the status quo, right? So in a way, the way I like to word it with the four hour work week is the four hour work week was the first book that gave me permission, quote unquote, not that I needed it, but I guess mindset-wise, I really did. It was the first book that gave me permission to be my true self, to explore things that were different than the status quo. And from the moment I finished that last page, I set out to find exactly who my true self was, right? And I've been on that journey ever since. That was really like my first step towards self-discovery, which became a journey of self-love. And as you guys know, Clovis is just me sharing what I've learned along that journey. I just share that with you. So that is how important that book was to me. Everything that you see me in front of you right now is because of the four hour work week, because of it. I don't care if you don't like the title. I don't care if you don't want to sell things online. I don't care about anybody's opinion of the book. It's the single most impactful book in my life, period. Changed everything for me. That's the only thing that set me on the road to figure out that I was actually chasing other people's dreams that weren't fulfilling to me. And I was drinking booze to pretend I was having fun the whole time. You know, really, really crazy. So that, that's how, power, how powerful that was um, for me. So that's the four hour work week. And the next one I would say is The Mastery of Love. So The Mastery of Love is by Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, and Mastery of Love is basically a masterclass on self-acceptance 
self-love and accepting and truly loving others. It's like the truth of unconditional love. Because I will tell you right now, this is just fact. I'm sorry to be the guy to point this out to you. Virtually none of us have ever experienced unconditional love from another human being. We really don't know what that is in society. Um, if you've experienced unconditional love from a human, congratulations, you're in the small minority. Um, but really most of us will only know unconditional love from like a little tiny baby or uh, a pet, right? That's like the only time that you really have unconditional love. So mastery of love is a must read. And uh, I don't want to share the story with you and ruin it with you, but there's this one particular part in the book. It involves a baby getting in trouble, little, a little, little toddler really getting in trouble and getting spanked. Uh, it involves a guitar and it's this amazing story that is worth the book alone just for that story. This, the imagery of that story will be in my head for the rest of my life. Is that powerful. So definitely check out Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz. The next one I would say, the third book on the list would be Why We Get Fat and What to Do About It by Gary Tobbs. Of course, I have to include a nutrition book in this because I talk about this constantly. When you don't figure out the fundamental basics of nutrition, you're screwed. The rest of your life, just throw it down the drain. Because when you're 60 pounds overweight and you've been dealing with it for four or five decades, that's your sole focus. Your focus is scale victories. Your focus is what's the number on the scale, right? So again, I always tell you this, that foundations for a happier, more fulfilling life is nutrition. You have to get the obstacle of nutrition out of the way if you want to live your best life, period. So there has to be a nutrition book. And I've really thought long and hard about it today um, when I saw this question. I'm just like, what would be that nutrition book? And it probably would be why we get fat and what to do about it. Plenty of evidence-based scientists and PhDs would disagree with me, but I believe that proper nutrition, human optimization comes down to hormones. I think that obesity is a hormonal problem. I buy into that hypothesis completely. Don't really care what other people's opinions of it are. So if I had to choose one for you, it would be that. So we have four-hour work week, mastery of love, why we get fat and what to do about it by Gary Tobbs. And the next one I would say is a tricky one. It is called Awareness by Anthony DeMello. I read Awareness when I was solo traveling in Thailand. I lived in Chiang Mai, Thailand uh, this, this just this year, 2019. Um, and I read The Mastery of Love while I was there. I lived in Chiang Mai for 30 days. Hit me at a perfect time where Clovis was like really growing in a significant way and I was getting some hate online from the PhDs and the evidence-based scientists and blah, blah, blah online. And uh, it really just... Awareness will crush your ego into a pile of dust. And if you are not prepared for that punch-in-the-face reality check, then avoid this one. Because it would be really easy to read this book and kind of become a nihilist and feel like nothing matters, nothing that you do is significant. But that's a really good chin check. It's a really good punch in the face. Um, even though it's not about nihilism at all. It's, it's actually written by, I think, I think DeMello is a Catholic priest, I'm pretty sure. Um, but Awareness is a must-read it just needs to find you at the right time. Some people might read awareness and they're not ready for it. Like it might make you cry and feel really bad about yourself. Like it's just little funny things. Like why is it that when you walk in a room and you're wearing a pretty dress and somebody says, oh my God, I love that dress. It makes you feel good about yourself. Why? Why? How are you so connected to a dress? They said the dress is pretty and you feel really good about yourself. Like you had something to do with that dress. Or you walk into a bar and you have a New England Patriot shirt on and people like you because of that. It's like just these little insanities of life 
that you really, really, it really puts life into perspective for you. Um, so pick up the book Awareness. I think it's amazing. One of my top, that's probably one of my top three for sure. Um, and that's the thing. These are all categorized, nutrition, mindset, whatever. Four-hour work week's most impactful. Why we get fat and what we do about it for nutrition. Mastery of love for the mastery of love. Um, awareness for your ego check. And then my single favorite book of all time is The Alchemist. That's it. The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. It's fiction, it's super fun, and it also, I've said this a lot, is the single best self-help book of all time, in my opinion. It's absolutely incredible. Anytime I talk about the universe and things like that, I'm really talking about the omens, which is um, the concept in the book of following the omens, and it's really just unbelievable. So that's it. That is, I'm ranting now, but that is my top five. So I would say the four-hour work week, why we get fat and what to do about it, um, awareness, mastery of love. And The Alchemist, I'm trying to remember these. So those are the top five books for me, for sure. And that might change over time. You know, I'm reading constant books. I think I'm reading three or four books that I'm in the middle of right now. All really, really different. One is a religious book, actually about Christianity. Another is about spirituality and channeling, which is way out there crazy. I'm reading Dave Asprey's new book, uh, Superhuman. I just finished up um, Ultra Learning, which was a great book. So yeah, there's lots in the works and lots that I'll be sharing with you guys in the future. Really, really cool stuff. Um, what about parents loving us? Isn't that unconditional? No, not even close. That is probably the single biggest myth ever is your parents will lead you to believe that they love you unconditionally. This is not true. Um, it cannot be true. Most parents do not have the capacity to love unconditionally. And this is why, if you ever talk to a, a therapist, you know they'll tell you all people have childhood trauma. Now, I wanna be very clear here. I am not saying your parents don't love you. I'm not saying your parents aren't amazing. Your parents might be the best people in the world. I love my parents maybe more than anybody on the face of this planet, right? Doesn't mean they were perfect. I've had these conversations with my dad a bazillion times. Dad's one of the best people to talk to about these things because he's so open-minded. Parents don't really know what they're doing, everybody. When your parents were 24 years old and raising you, they had no fucking idea what they were doing. I assure you. They didn't know how to give unconditional love. I mean, just look at what happens when you have an ultra-conservative parent and their kid comes out as gay and they get disowned, right? Do they love that child? Yeah, they probably still love them, but that's certainly conditional love. I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. Or how many families get broken up by religious differences or political differences or again, lifestyle choices or whatever, right? So you really think about it. What most people are doing, I see this all the time and it makes me sick. When people have children, and their children become their identity, that's absurdly selfish, everybody. You need to know that. If you are connected in any way, shape, or form to the success of your little human beyond wanting what is best for them, then you're doing it wrong, right? And this is what I see happen is people just will completely neglect themselves or their own health or any semblance of trying to be the best, ver the best way to be a parent is to be the best version of yourself, right? That, honestly, now I'm not a parent. I'm gonna get a ton of shit for this, I get it, but I just, I've been through so much deep psychiatric therapy and I've talked to so many different people and over a thousand clients at this point who are moms, most of my clients are moms and a lot of the depression I see comes from this. I hate to tell you women this, but this is what I see. It's just my observation, right? It's, it's the reason why there's something called empty nest syndrome is because when you decide that your sole purpose for existence is a child, then you get really wrapped up in the success of that child. How successful is this person? Usually by mainstream standards. 
Does your kid go to college? Does your kid have a good job? Is your kid married? Do they have grandbabies? Do they do this? Do they do that? Are they the sexual preference that, that you want? Do they follow the same religion that you do? Do they follow the same political leanings that you do, right? We see this stuff blow up all the time. It's insanity, right? So yeah, I would argue that conditional love is very, very difficult to come across in today's society. Very, very hard to come across. Chris, do you ever read and or find any value in fiction books? Yes. So um, I don't know when this comment came in. I can't see the time. But yeah, my number one recommended book of all time, my favorite book of all time is The Alchemist, which is a fiction book. I'm actually reading a great set of short stories of fiction right now called Exhalation. Um, God, I wish Ted Chang, I think is the guy's last name, um, called Exhalation. I'll put it in the show notes. It's freaking amazing. Um, I like to read fiction books before bed. One of my favorite fiction books of all time was The Martian. And then it came out, it was a, a, a Matt Damon movie and the movie was incredible. Ready Player One, Ready Player One, like hands down, one of my favorite fiction books of all time. I was really excited because Ready Player One and um, The Martian were the first two books that I read before the movie came out. Like that's really rare for me in my life. The only other thing that, that happened for was The Da Vinci Code. I read like the whole series of The Da Vinci Code when I was living in Boston. And then the movies came out with Tom Hanks and like were really cool, exciting movies. So anyway, yeah, I do love fiction and I, I totally see um, really, really good uh, value to be gained from reading fiction books, absolutely. And I tell people to uh, read fiction before bed. Like before bed, you shouldn't be reading like a self-help book or a nutrition book or a business book. Like you don't wanna grab a book like Ultra Learning or Becoming a Superhuman and read that before bed. The wheels are just gonna spin in your head endlessly. So I actually have a lamp next to my bed that's red. I have a red light and I read fiction, try to read fiction before bed. Doesn't always happen, but I try to get to it. And Exhalation right now is awesome. So I'll put that in the show notes for you guys. Um, so the next one is really this, now we're getting into some technical biochemistry stuff. So this is going to be the super nerdy nutrition portion of this, unless we have any comments that I missed. The unconditional love thing is so big. Laura, I've had the four hour work week for six months and just started reading it yesterday. Fantastic. There's the universe for you. Me telling you that's the single most impactful thing. The, the biggest thing I must say to people is all the, I, I do a lot of coaching calls. And again, a coaching call is a great way for me to give you more direct book recommendations. If I spend an hour with you and I figure out where you are in life, it will click for me very quickly. You should read this book now. You should read this book now. You should read this book now, right? I just need to know where you are. I need to talk to you. The coaching calls are fantastic. Most of my coaching calls, we're talking about career, fulfillment, happiness, family, all these kinds of issues, unconditional love, parenting. I really talk about a lot of these things in these coaching calls. And what I find is that most people are just really unhappy with where they are in life, which is not surprising. Polls show that 80 plus percent of people in America hate their jobs. Not only do they not like their job, they hate their job and they think their job makes their life worse, but they stay there because it's comfortable. <laughs> right? So people are just doing it wrong. So all these coaching calls tend to dig into this stuff. So if you ever want to go deep, we should do a coaching call and we should talk about this because it's my belief that in 2019, if you're still getting in your car and driving to a place to work for 40 hours a week to lose 40 hours of your life and you're making less than six figures doing that, you need to fucking reassess <laughs> because I mean, it's just if you're making less than that and giving up that portion of your life, the risk versus reward is so absurdly lopsided. Now, again, this is just my opinion. Remember, don't shoot the messenger here. This is my opinion. You can take this or leave this. But if you're getting paid 28 grand a year and you're giving up 40 hours of your life per week, you can do better on the internet. I promise you. Promise you with a capital P. 
okay? You just aren't aware of the opportunities that exist. And most people are not because the education system is 20 years behind everything. I was talking to my dad about this today. I use technology within Clovis right now for my different systems that literally doesn't exist yet. I know that sounds crazy. It is technology that doesn't exist yet. People have to patch it together every week so that my systems can work because we're on the cutting edge of things, right? It's really crazy. What else we got? Marshall was awesome. Love Dan Brown books. Yeah, man, for sure. I don't feel like I need coaching at least at the moment, but I definitely would love to have a chat and pick your brain. Yeah, that, well, that's, that's basically what coaching is. I call it coaching. What else am I going to call it? You know what I mean? Uh, but that's what the chats are for. It's an hour-long chat that we do. It's a video conference via Skype. Um, if you have not done a coaching call with Justin, you need to. I can't re recommend it enough. Yes. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate that. Thank you for the plug. Okay? All right. So now let's dig into some nerdy nutrition stuff because we got time left. This one's pretty cool. And uh, this is going to let me jump into a bigger conversation really around genetics testing. And I have a whole, whole podcast with Dr. Anthony J coming out about this. I'm parched. Just a second. But we're actually going to do some really cool DNA sequencing and do some Facebook Live work with that, with Anthony J Live, where we're going to sequence my DNA with you on a Facebook Live. So we can really go deep on this stuff because there's a lot of nonsense in that world as well, right? 23andMe doesn't really know what they're doing with the data, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, let me get in this question so you see what the heck we're talking about here. This question's from Nina, and it says, Hi, Justin. My blood tests show my homocysteine levels are quite high. On a scale of 5 to 15, I registered an 18.4. Not good, okay? I'm waiting on genetic results for MTHFR. In the meantime, could you touch on why methionine-rich foods, like red meat, do not contribute to high levels of homocysteine? I have not seen a functional medicine doctor yet. Hint, hint, keep that in mind. I have not seen a functional medicine doctor yet. But the nurse practitioner who went over my results with me told me I may want to cut down on meat consumption, which was, of course, a big red flag for me. Excellent job, Nina. To her credit, she did order almost exactly the labs you recommended. Sorry if this question is redundant. Life has been crazy. I'm behind in AMAs. As always, thank you for your passion and dedication. First things first, uh, you did great here. The red flag is a huge red flag. Yes, this person is completely wrong. The nurse practitioner is completely wrong, and I'm going to dig into this with you here. Don't worry about the homocysteine level in terms of red meat. You need to worry about the homocysteine level significantly, and you need to follow Clovis. We simply must remove the inflammation from your body. As long as that level is there, you are at risk for all sorts of things. The only thing that I will say is that cutting back on red meat is not the way to get there. So let's dig into this. Um, call your nurse practitioner out for sure and just say you don't buy it. This is just inaccurate, right? So... There's this long-held belief that methionine is contributing directly to elevated homocysteine levels, right? But methionine is basically, well, homocysteine itself is really just an amino acid. It's a biomarker of what we call systemic inflammation. So if you get like an inflammation panel done, there'll be like homocysteine on there. The one you guys hear me talk about a lot is HSCRP. That is C-reactive protein. I really like looking at C-reactive protein. If you work with a practitioner like Paul, a really good functional medicine doctor, they're going to want to see homocysteine and C-reactive protein. I'm going to tackle this MTHFR thing separately because I know you're just waiting on results. So you're not really saying that you're concerned about your results or anything, um, but we'll dig into that. But the thing is, if you were to look at all of the evidence, if you were to go through all the evidence suggesting that a high, high methionine diet, and thus, which would mean a high animal meat diet, because that's where you're getting methionine from, is if you were to find me all the evidence that says that that raises homocysteine, it would be an absurdly small number of studies, and I'm going to use rabbit ears on studies, right? Because 
what you'd be bringing me are not studies at all. There's this clip that I just put on Instagram, the Lies My Doctor Told Me podcast with Ken Berry, where he talks about food frequency questionnaires. It's just bottom of the barrel, garbage science. Peter Atiyah says this as well. Epidemiological studies from these food questionnaires, it's, he literally calls it bottom of the barrel science. If there's one thing we know, the crappiest science on planet Earth, basically, is epidemiology, food questionnaire, scientific, quote-unquote, studies. The, this is the only type of evidence anywhere that says that these methionine levels are raising your homocysteine levels, okay? This is coming from food questionnaires, right? Now, even in this, even in this case, the food questionnaires barely even show correlation, let alone causation. They can't prove causation. I've told you guys this before in episodes like Bad Science, epidemiology cannot show causation, right? So one of the most widely cited food questionnaires about this homocysteine levels in red meat shows zero correlation between methionine levels and homocysteine increase. The other one shows a very, very weak correlation, right? So this is kind of a wash. They can't even find correlation, let alone proving causation, right? So what you should do here, not in, a, in, a, in an argumentative way, you don't need to start a fight with the person, your doctor or whatever, just go to the nurse practitioner and be like, where did you get that from? Why do you think that me eating red meat is gonna raise my homocysteine levels? Can you please show me the evidence that proves this? And go listen to the podcast episode with Dr. Ken Berry because he tells you the exact words to use when challenging your doctor in a polite manner, but really challenging in a way, in a way that forces them to think and lets them know that you give a crap about your own health, right? So ask them, where did you get this evidence from? Because what happened is they are simply parroting something. This nurse practitioner is parroting something that she heard a doctor higher on the hierarchy than she is say once upon a time, and she's just repeating it. That's it. That's where this bad information comes from. It's just people parroting things that they haven't looked into themselves, right? So there's really no science showing this. Now let's dig into the actual science because here's the truth. There is an actual randomized control trial. As you guys know, this is the gold standard of nutrition science. And I can share this in the show notes. But what they did was they compared a low-protein, low-methionine diet to a high-protein, high-methionine diet and its direct impact on homocysteine levels specifically. This is exactly what you're asking about, Nina. And the result was that the high-protein group had a 25% lower homocysteine level. It actually lowered their homocysteine levels by 25%. But how can that be if they think that methionine makes homocysteine levels go up? Well, clearly the hypothesis is wrong. And how this can be is that because when you're switching to a high-protein diet from a low-protein diet, most times most people are following a moderate to low-fat protein diet, particularly nutrition studies because nobody has thought up until the last decade, no one's thought seriously that a high-fat diet was a good idea in terms of nutrition sciences. There were the outliers like Atkins and things like that doing these things. But generally speaking, in the nutrition world, they're going to tell you to eat low-fat, right? So what's happening in these studies is if you're switching from a low-protein diet to a high-protein diet, that means you are replacing dietary carbohydrates with protein. Almost assuredly, that's what's happening here. So carbs are really the enemy. We know this when it comes to systemic inflammation because that all begins in the gut. When you deal with things like lectins, oxalates, all these things that can really impact your gut health, release things like zonulin, cause leaky gut, et cetera, et cetera. Refined processed carbohydrates are the enemy when it comes to inflammation levels. So ditching those for high protein, of course, is going to lower homocysteine levels. But this brings me to the next point. There are two additional randomized control trials 
assessing red meat intake and inflammation markers as a whole. And one of them actually assesses fish intake and inflammation markers as a whole as well. So not just specifically homocysteine, but even these level, even these studies show, again, randomized control trials that show that replacing dietary carbohydrates with red meat or fish in either sense have no marked impact on homocysteine levels or biomarkers of inflammation in the body whatsoever. Now, the thing to remember here is that these studies were shorter term than the six month study of replacing carbohydrates with protein, the high protein diet that showed 25% lower levels of homocysteine. That's a much longer period of time for that study. So I would argue that these other studies with red meat and fish that were done for shorter periods of time that showed no change, if they would have made those studies last longer, months and months, three months, six months, a year, whatever, you probably would have seen an improvement in systemic inflammation by removing refined processed carbohydrates. But at the end of all that, if you're still worried about inflammation and red meat and all those things, all you have to do is, is Google the methionine glycine ratio, right? These are just two different types of amino acids. Chris Masterjohn has a great article about this. If you Google... Uh, methionine glycine ratio, his article will probably pop up. Paul Saladino talks about this as well, but really just supplement glycine. What's the best way to supplement glycine? Perfect paleo powder? Collagen. That's how people get more glycine. They just supplement collagen. So like Paul Saladino has a great plan for this. He says that for every, about every hundred grams of protein that you get, you should have at least 10 grams of collagen right? So you can do that with unflavored collagen peptides. Perfect paleo powder is made of collagen peptides. You can do this with uh, bone broth, right? Grass-fed beef bone broth is amazing. Pasture-raised chicken bone broth is amazing. You guys see me in the wintertime. I'm drinking a cup of bone broth a day that I make myself. I'm eating chicken bones, right? I put this on Instagram. My plate had chicken bones all over it. Uh, today I ate beef kidney, which was not particularly good. Not a fan of beef kidney, um, but the bones were fantastic. So that's another thing is just work out the methionine to glycine ratio and you really have nothing to worry about here. So this brings me to the next point. I'm going to rant a bit here, but I know Nina, this, this has nothing to do with you. So you can kind of uh, check out here because you don't have your MTHFR results here. But I want to talk about this MTHFR thing. And if you guys are MTHFR, feel free to comment here and tell me what your practitioners made you feel like when you found out that you quote unquote were MTHFR. So let's blow the lid off this thing, right? I've been meaning to do this for a while. So if you're MTHFR, as it's commonly known, now in particular, like Nina, if your results came back and you do have MTH, MTHFR uh, polymorphism, right? It would be even crazier for you to cut back on meat consumption. And we're gonna get there. But the thing is, MTHFR, in the vast majority of cases, is literally just a riboflavin deficiency. That's it. This is vitamin B12, right? Cyanocobalamin. So this is vitamin B12, it's one of your B vitamins, it means that you have a deficiency. Now, the common supplement form of B12 is usually methylcobalamin, right? Uh, spoiler alert, the new Perfect Paleo powder that's coming out is probably gonna have methylcobalamin in it, right? When people get injections of vitamin B12 shots, like sometimes at the corporate offices, they'll give you a B12 injection, right? This is usually methylcobalamin, right? So we're talking about a single micronutrient here and we're talking about a B vitamin, specifically about a B vitamin. Where's the best place on planet Earth to get B vitamins from? Red meat, ladies and gentlemen, most notably organ meats and muscle meats, okay? Red meat is the best place to get your vitamin B12. So what happens here that drives me nuts, you could literally do specific supplementation for let's say six months of B vitamins or specifically cyanocobalamin or methylcobalamin or a B vitamin complex or organ meats or red meats or whatever, and then retest and literally change your genetics. 
You can change your genetics. This is called epigenetics. I've been teaching you about epigenetics for two years, right? But what happens here, and I can't figure this out. It drives me crazy. And I have to admit that every time somebody sends me an email and it says something like, by the way, I'm MTHFR, right? Like I kind of just giggle, roll my eyes a little bit because people use this like it's some kind of diagnosis. Like you've been diagnosed with type one diabetes or something that's never gonna go away, right? People literally use MTHFR like it's some kind of life-threatening diagnosis and it becomes a label. I hate these labels that people put on themselves with this victim mentality, right? They think they have some kind of lifelong medical problem and they become victims. This is actually ridiculous to me, okay? Like it really is. Again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not giving you medical advice, but this is ridiculous to me, right? So this low activity of MTHFR is just a result of subpar riboflavin levels. So you can literally change this MTHFR situation simply by increasing riboflavin. Again, paleo powder has B12 in it, right? Methylcobalamin, again, I'm not a doctor, but I have literally zero problems with these MTHFR polymorphisms supplementing with methyl B vitamins. I don't have a problem with it, right? Again, I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice. If you take this advice, it's at your own risk. I have to say that because of course, there's always gonna be these extreme outliers. There will always be people that have such a rare genetic mutation or variation that methylcobalamin could somehow be deadly to them, right? But generally speaking, in the vast majority, these people come to me with MTHFR, wearing it like a badge, some kind of diagnosis, and the truth is they always have far more pressing metabolic issues that are really serious. They have serious micronutrient deficiencies. They're dealing with insulin resistance, right? They have a ton of body fat. They might be type two diabetic. They might be pre-diabetic, right? They might have autoimmune conditions, but they're looking at everything through this lens of, quote, I am MTHFR, poor me, right? No one is an overmethylator or an undermethylator. They're just dealing with symptoms of a poorly operating methylation system. This is metabolic dysfunction, ladies and gentlemen. I talk to you all the time about metabolic dysfunction, untangling metabolic dysfunction. The same thing goes for this, right? So the other thing worth noting here is this is always, 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 always women. I've never had a dude come to me that's just like, my MTHFR, I am an MTHFR, oh my goodness. This is always women who are not eating enough protein. Add glycine. Okay, start glycine supplementation, three grams a day of glycine, take it before bed, it helps you sleep, eat some more red meat. I'm not kidding. Do the exact opposite of what this nurse practitioner said if your MTHFR comes back in an unfavorable way. Supplement with some creatine. Creatine's a great supplement for this. Or again, you don't really need creatine if you just eat more red meat. So we're talking about B vitamins. Again, the most bioavailable form of B vitamins is gonna be found in animal meats. You can supplement with grass-fed organ capsules like Paleo Valley grass-fed organ capsules. If you're an I Am Clovis member, you get a 10% discount on them for life. Eat two ounces of liver each day. Cook up a little bit of grass-fed liver, eat two ounces of it every day, and see how things just drastically improve. So you have to ask yourself, like, do you really think there are just people out there that have this MTHFR polymorphism and they just accidentally take methylcobalamin because they don't know what's in a, a, a supplement or they take the wrong form of folate and they just drop dead? Like, come on now. No. Really do a deep dive on this. Before, you, before people freak out about MTHFR, do a deep dive on this, right? Do a deep dive and research the quote-unquote problems that come along with MTHFR. What problems do they actually cause? Outside of potential complications with like nasty pharmaceutical drugs, what's the problem? The MTHFR polymorphism or the fact that you're swallowing SSRIs, 
right? Like you're going to be really hard pressed to find anything truly scary about this MTHFR thing. It's, it's estimated up to 40% of the population has an MTHFR polymorphism, right? So go ahead, do the research and feel free to bring me what you have found. I will gladly change my mind on this. But the reason why I'm ranting about this is because of the way that Nina has said, like, I'm waiting on gene testing for MTHFR. Why? Why, why are you waiting on that? What has your nurse practitioner told you that is going to change your life about this MTHFR thing, right? I, if anything, you're going to come back to MTHFR. They're going to tell you to eat less red meat. They're going to say because of your homocysteine levels, eat less red meat. All of a sudden, your vitamin B deficiency is going to plummet. Basement's going to get worse, worse, and worse. You're going to have more B vitamin problems, and this situation is just going to get worse. You're going to have an even more poorly acting methylation system in your body. It's just more metabolic syndrome, metabolic dysfunction due to micronutrient deficiencies. Okay. That, it's crazy. So that's my advice here. Like Nina, don't be sitting at home, like wringing your hands out, sweating, all nervous or anything like that about the MTHFR results. Like to me, it means next to nothing. Really. It, it doesn't mean anything to me. Okay. So what do we have here for comments? Judy, new paleo powder. Yes, of course. I have been very, very vocal about this. This is the whole uh, uh, reason behind the liquidation of the five paleo powder formulas. Fat loss is still on the table being sold, um, but fat loss even still, I have diminishing inventory in that. And yeah, I've talked to you guys about this. I put a post up in the um, academy about making a new label. It's probably going to come in a two-pound jar instead. So I'm literally getting rid of all the paleo powders and creating a new formula of the perfect paleo powder that will come in a two pound tub with a label with eco-friendly plastic. I've already looked into this and talked to Dr. Anthony J about it um, using sustainable recyclable packaging that is safe for your health as well. So not using plastics with estrogenics in it. I'm removing certain things like flaxseed is getting the boot um, because of this estrogenic situation with these um, lignans that are involved in flaxseed, not good for everybody. So as you guys know, like my journey in Clovis, I'm learning all the time. And as I learn new things, why would I not make better supplements for you guys? Of course, I'm gonna make better supplements. So this is actually just gonna be the perfect paleo powder complete. That's it. It's like one perfect paleo powder will be in one flavor. That is the product. So no more like, do I need digest and rest? Do I need fat loss? Do I need post-workout, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm actually going to improve the formula, change things a little bit. And yeah, there will be a new paleo powder. I uh, can't tell you when, I'm not exactly sure. This is all happening behind the scenes. Okay, uh, obviously, the Clovis challenge is happening. All sorts of crazy stuff is going on right now. So there's a lot, lot going on. But I had a great conversation about the new paleo powder today. So that's really cool. Sam, since we're talking about supplements, question. Why does taking organ complex first thing in the morning make everything go directly through me? Now, that's a really good question. And I don't particularly have an answer for it. I wish that I did. I had the same experience with organ complex in the beginning and then it went away. So the interesting thing here is the same thing can happen when people first make the shift to a carnivore diet. Now, my understanding of it is it's an ox bile issue. So there's a particular stomach acid that we're lacking really. So if you think about it, most of us have been told to avoid red meat like the plague. Most of us have been told to avoid saturated fat like the plague for the vast majority of our lives. So the argument becomes that we're lacking specific digestive enzymes that help us break down things that come directly from animal proteins. Now, in carnivore, it's a little easier to explain because you're taking in so much fatty acids. Um, but the situation with organ complex, I'm not quite sure. I wish I had a better answer for you for that. Um, I'd like to talk to Paul Saladino about this. 
Um, and I actually talked to uh, my friends at Paleo Valley about this too, and they, they didn't actually have an answer for me. Really interesting. It did stop for me because I love Paleo Valley's organ complex. I take it all the time. Um, and I didn't have that same problem. But in the very beginning, I did. Now, I also wonder because since – since then, since I did the podcast interview back in what, April or May or something with Paul Saladino, I've been eating organ meats ever since. So I eat somewhere between two to four ounces, usually four ounces because I love it now, but usually four ounces of grass-fed beef liver a day. So it could be that now I'm just accustomed to this mega dose of micronutrients because that's the other thing too is like if you mega dose vitamin C, you will get diarrhea. If you, ha if you take too much vitamin C, you are going to get diarrhea. You can only use as much as you can use. If you drink too much salt, if you put too much Redmond sea salt in water and drink it, you will get massive diarrhea. If you take too much MCT oil, you will get massive diarrhea. So my hypothesis here is just that the body freaks out for whatever reason with a heavy, heavy dose of bioavailable micronutrients particularly on an empty stomach. So the question is, have you tried, and I don't know that I did this. I can't give you, uh, I'm just, I'm thinking out loud at this point. Um, but maybe, I don't know what you normally eat for breakfast, or maybe just wait until your first meal of the day. Like I fast 16 hours a day. Sometimes, God, recently I've been fasting 20, 22 hours a day by accident because I'm just so busy. I've been doing one meal a day. Um, but I wonder if you, even if you ate like, you know, half, try eating like half an avocado and taking organ complex and seeing if like the, the mono and polyunsaturated fats actually help in any way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. Really, I, I had the same experience. I know that other people have too. So not sure. Yeah, Sam, when you're dealing with me, you should never, ever be worried about estrogenics. <laughs> ever. Trust me. No, I don't think there's anybody on the planet that cares about estrogenics as much as I do. It blows my mind that this is not like, that like the CDC has not come out with like a health crisis, pull all of the products off of all grocery store shelves everywhere and repackage everything. I don't know how this has not been done. It scares the crap out of me that much. I think it's one of the biggest health problems today. I can't wait for the podcast with Anthony J to come out. It's going to be amazing. So would it help to take ox bile in the morning with it? Not, see, not really because the ox bile thing is really an issue of fats. It's an issue of fatty acids, right? Breaking down triglycerides into fatty acids to be, to enter the bloodstream. Um, I really don't think it makes sense to take a digestive enzyme when you're just dealing with, you know, freeze-dried organ complex. It's not like you're taking in 100 grams of saturated fat, right? You're not probably not even taking in a gram of fat, really. So it really doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, vitamins, well, that's the other thing too. Now you're talking about a combination dose. If you're taking vitamin C and you're taking your salt shot and you're taking organ complex all at the same time, yeah, it gets a little tricky. Um, what else we got? I tried bone broth, but that didn't help much. Yeah, but again, bone broth is not a fatty food. Bone broth is a protein food. Uh, bone broth is, you know, 10 grams of collagen per cup or whatever. may have a little bit of fat, particularly if it's homemade. Homemade bone broth will have way more fat than store-bought fat. I mean, it will have way more fat than store-bought protein. Store-bought <sighs> bone broth. Jeez, can't talk today. Homemade bone broth will have far more fat with that nice congealed layer of fat on top than store-bought bone broth will have. Store-bought tends to not have much fat at all. So, um, no, again, I'm, I'm thinking you'd want to explore, like, particularly poly and monounsaturated fats. So something like um, coconut oil, maybe not MCT oil, because MCT oil can give you diarrhea too, but you know something like coconut oil or a handful of macadamia nuts or um, you know maybe you have some sardines for breakfast or maybe you try an avocado. Try something like that. That's what I would try. I would explore 
fat that is not saturated fat. Um, I would explore that. So maybe coconut oil would be off the shelf too. But um, yeah, maybe something like that. Maybe like an avocado or some sardines or some macadamia nuts. Try something like that with the organ complex or just to see, you know, have a day. Now I have experimented with this myself and had the same situation. So it didn't fix it for me, but I have tried organ complex just on an empty stomach completely by itself. No salt shot, no other supplements, no nothing. And still did have that reaction. But that was just in the beginning. For me, it doesn't seem to be a problem anymore, which is really interesting. Um, so yeah, interesting stuff. I love exploring this stuff. All right. Uh, I take between 1,000 to 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day and at least three salt shots every day. Fantastic. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, you're doing great. I love that. Uh, Sam. Okay. Well, when I take them and three, when I take them and eat my eggs and bacon, it's all bad news. Yeah. Okay. So you've tried, you've tried some other stuff, but again, yeah, that that's another thing to consider here is eggs and bacon is like straight saturated fat, right? This is you're 100% saturated fat. Um, so yeah, you might run into, into tricks there. Would that be the same thing with the Thrive Supplement? Um, I have not experienced with the Thrive Supplement. Um, maybe maybe you have. Are you saying that Thrive gives you diarrhea as well? Um, I, have not, I have not experienced that at all. Um, that would surprise me quite a bit, actually. Um, yeah, that would surprise me. Could be interesting. But again, there's a million variables. This is what makes these situations tough when we're doing these AMAs like this because Kayla, again, it's like I can say, Sam, what are you eating it with? And then she can say, oh, I tried eggs and bacon. And I can say, oh, try this. And then we would just go back and forth you know, for two hours trying to figure out like when did you take your Thrive Supplement? What did you take your Thrive Supplement with? Did you take it with a shot of Redmond Sea Salt? Did you take it with a Bulletproof Coffee? Did you take it with a meal? Did you take it on an empty stomach? Did you take it at nighttime? Did you take it in the morning? You know, like there's just a million things here and it's kind of endless, you know? Um, so Thrive really hurts my stomach. Yeah, again, I would, I would need, you know, way more information to dig into that. Uh, if you're taking it on an empty stomach and it's really hurting your stomach, then, you know, that's mildly concerning. Um, but if you're taking it with a bunch of food or something like that, it's kind of, it makes it kind of hard to pinpoint what's actually happening here, if that makes sense. So this actually happened to somebody, they, they emailed me about, um, their heart rate going up after eating big meals and asking if this is a food sensitivity thing. It can be, it can be a food sensitivity thing, right? Uh, increased heart rate, elevated heart rate after eating certain foods could show signs of a food sensitivity. But again, you have to isolate. So this person could say like, oh yeah, I had my breakfast, I had three eggs, I had an avocado, I had two strips of bacon, I cooked it all in grass-fed butter, and I had a bulletproof coffee with it, and my heart rate was through the roof after I ate that. So do I have food sensitivities? <laughs> and I'm just like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. No, what you would have to do here is if it's happening every time you have that meal, now you have to isolate every single one of those foods. And the best way to do that is on an empty stomach in the morning, the same way that I did my glucose testing for carbohydrate responses when I was wearing the Dexcom and doing finger prick glucose tests and all that to test food sensitivities, is you would literally have to isolate them. So one morning you wake up in an empty stomach and eat grass-fed butter, you know? Or one day you wake up and just eat eggs or just eat bacon and wait and see what happens. Give it a good amount of time. Give it like 90 minutes, you know, before you eat anything else. So you have to figure out what's actually causing these problems and a lot of people just don't know because it's it's just a matter of science. Like in science, they try to remove as many variables as possible and just test for one thing. So food sensitivities can be really, really tricky because, and then even when you get into testing, food sensitivity testing, like if you have leaky gut syndrome, you're gonna get a lot of false positives for foods that you're not really sensitive to, but they're showing up. There's antibodies to them in their bloodstream because they're getting into the bloodstream undigested because you have leaky gut. 
So it's not a sensitivity to the food. It's a root problem of leaky gut syndrome. These things getting into your bloodstream that shouldn't be getting into your bloodstream. So this stuff is kind of endlessly complex, really. Um, so yeah, and the other thing to remember is when you're starting something new, like a Just Thrive probiotic, or you're starting um, like their prebiotic dietary fiber, or if you're trying just, I mean, not Just Thrive, Paleo Valley's organ complex or anything like that, there also may be an adjustment period too, where you might just have to, you know, kind of deal with it. The same thing happens with carnivores. A lot of people switch to a carnivore diet and give it up almost immediately because like I had the same thing happen. Now, I to be clear, on my carnivore journey, I am not strict carnivore. Just so you guys know, I'm I am not strict carnivore. I've added in foods that are not carnivorous, right? I have black coffee, I have MCT oil, I have grass-fed butter, I have avocados, I have um, fermented sauerkraut, I have Bubby's fermented pickles, but I will tell you that I have not reintroduced vegetables, really into my daily diet. I'm not eating broccoli or spinach or kale or sweet potatoes or really fruits beyond the avocados, anything like that. But that's just my daily diet. That allows me, when I'm out and about, if I'm at a family event, if I'm at a restaurant, like I went out for sushi last week, had sushi and a bunch of sake. It was fantastic, right? I love it. So I actually love the freedom that this carnivore-ish diet gives me because when I'm alone, virtually 100% of the time, I just eat this strict diet, it's amazing, and then I go out and kind of can do whatever I want, and my gut health is basically bulletproof at this point. Like, I haven't found anything that sends me running to the bathroom anymore, which is really crazy. But there was a real hard transition time where I went carnivore, just basically 100% red meat, and just dealt with diarrhea constantly. It was awful, it was awful. And I would not continue it for that reason. Like I wouldn't. And I've done a really good job of reintroducing wild caught fish. I'm now eating pasture-raised chicken a lot more. I'm still eating red meat every day. I'm still eating organ meats every day for the micronutrients. Still eating egg yolks and all that. But um, I really have kind of shifted my approach to um, this kind of protein-centric carnivore-ish type diet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great for my, my gut health and stomach health and everything. So it's worth exploring. It's really worth exploring. But again, it's really hard to pinpoint these things. Um, no gallbladder, and I only take Thrive enzymes when I eat really fatty meat like fatty pork. Don't need it anymore unless it's pork. Oh, are you talking about the, uh, the thorn? You're probably talking about Biogest, the enzymes. Thrive is the probiotic. I think you're probably talking about Thorn Biogest, which are the digestive enzymes that I recommend when people don't have a gallbladder, um, which is amazing. That's really cool that you're really not having problem uh, having a problem digesting these things. So if you eat pork, you use digestive enzymes. That's really cool. It's good. And it's great to be self-aware and that you've kind of explored this and you know these things about yourself now. That's that's fantastic. Like this is exactly what I want you guys to do is be your own detectives and find out what works for you. Now, the other thing is a lot of times I'll get people that tell me these things like, oh, I'm having diarrhea or I'm having this or this supplement's causing me problems, whatever. And then I ask them, question one, I would say, are you following Clovis? And I gotta say this, everybody, tough love. Notoriously, you all come back and tell me no. You say, no, I've been eating like an asshole for the last three weeks and then I took my Just Thrive probiotic and I had diarrhea. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, or like I get that a lot. This this really happens a lot uh, regularly, even with like Clovis OGs who've been in the game for a long time. And they're just like, oh yeah, I'm having XYZ problem. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, so you're hitting your macros every day and you're following the approved foods list. And they're like, oh, well, no, I really haven't. I haven't tracked anything in like several months now. And to be honest, I haven't been completely Clovis and I've gone off the approved foods list and I've been drinking a lot of alcohol and I had some soda and blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, okay, what are we talking about here, right? So you still have to go back to basics. Whenever you're dealing with a situation that's unusual, make sure you're back to basics, right? Get your shit together 
and then let's talk about these little fluke things that are happening, right? That's a really big deal, guys. Self-awareness. Read the book Awareness as well because it will kick you in the face, right? Um, most of the time, we, we kind of know where our problems are stemming from. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of, you know, like Sam and I talking about the Paleo Valley complex and things like that, it's like I know how strict my dietary protocol is and it's, it is very – so for me, when something like that pops up, I'm like, oh, this variable caused this thing for show. Let me figure out why this is happening because I know that my daily routine is just locked down, right? Um, but anyway, yeah. So I think that's it for today. I just realized I went way over. It's 9-11, everybody. But uh, thank you so much for an awesome AMA. These were great questions. There were several other questions we'll get to. Um, I'll probably jump on and get up, get to these next week. There was a question about mindset. I had a question about health insurance, how I handle health insurance. And uh, I can go into that and teach you guys how to set up that system because um, I think that's really valuable. But anyway, we'll duck off for tonight. We've been about an hour and 10 minutes in. So click the happy button, click the like button, click the love button, all the things. Go download the Ken Berry podcast also. Let me just type this here. Go to ClovisChallenge.com. Go to ClovisChallenge.com. Buy yourself the Clovis Challenge. Even if you're a Clovis OG and need to get back on track, you will learn something, I promise you. It is a 21-day email series with a lesson each and every day. You get access to a Clovis Challenge members-only area. That is videos, resources, podcasts, three different eBooks that you download um, to work you through the program. There's a couple of actually activities, like workbook activities inside of these PDFs. Um, and I think you guys are going to love it. You get discounts in the Clovis store as being part of the Clovis challenge. So go to ClovisChallenge.com, grab yourself the Clovis challenge, buy it before Thursday because there are really important emails that go out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and you want to make sure you get those emails. I will actually cut off registration completely on Sunday. So if you don't buy before Sunday, you're not gonna be able to buy the Clovis challenge. It'll just show up in the store as out of stock. Um, so then you got to wait at least 21 days to jump in on the Clovis Challenge if you want to do it again. This is the pilot run that I really just wanted you guys, like my Clovis tribe, to be in to give me some feedback on this. So check out the Clovis Challenge. Um, go to clovis.show slash Ken, K-E-N, and download the Ken Berry podcast. You can also just get it on every podcast platform. Guys, don't forget, if you review the podcast, um, I will send you free samples of paleo powder. That has been a deal that's been on the table since the beginning of time. So if you download the Perfect Paleo Podcast. Um, I'm sorry, the Clovis Culture Podcast. Wow, it used to be called that. The Clovis Culture Podcast. Um, review it on iTunes. Send me a screenshot of the review and I will send you free samples of paleo powder. Free and clear, no charge whatsoever, no shipping, no nothing. I'll just give them to you for free. So um, anything else, check out IamClovis.com. Perfect Paleo Powder is still 30 bucks a bag, which is ridiculous. You can go to IamClovis.com slash start to work with me. You can book coaching calls with me, all the things that you need to do. Um, so yeah, that's it. Thank you guys so much. Have an amazing night. This has been AMA number 89. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for the great questions. Have an amazing night. I love you. Good night. Bye.